0: Why do people choose a church? Do they want a place where they can be served or a place where they can be sent? Uh, Before you stand some people ready to be sent uh, into a field where we have actually been in significant ways for the past two years, the Hearst Garden Apartments. And before I pray over them, I want you to know more about that work and what we are sending them to do. Uh, this is Rusty Peterman. You know him. he's a minister of our externally focused works. Rusty, uh, take a moment and tell us what's been going on in the last two years in Hearst Garden
1: Apartments. Well, Rick, this is, I'd just love to tell this story because really, long before we started there, this was God's story. And uh, God brought a Christian couple as owners to Hearst Gardens many years ago, and they had the kingdom in their hearts, and they wanted to plant kingdom seeds within this small community. About four years ago, a Christian couple, a young Christian couple came there and God put on their hearts to reach out to their neighbors to get to know the kids and they started ministering. And that's what prompted the owners to give us a call a couple of years ago to come join this Christian couple and began just walking in the way of Jesus within that tiny complex. And so two years ago, School by the Pool started with a group of us going over and teaching kids on Monday nights, helping them with their homework, telling them Bible stories. And then not long after uh, School by the Pool got started, other groups began uh, coming over to Hearst Gardens. We had Bible classes and small groups and uh, the Aroma Ministry. And then what we saw developed is just God beginning to work in the hearts of people there. So that uh, VBS was held this last August, and we had the Singles 50s group and our Rwanda mission team. The kids really clicked with that group. And then later in the fall, we had a group of men go over and do some improvements in the clubhouse. And then in December, we had the community Christmas. About 40 of us went over and we hosted over 100 of the residents. And they got to stuff themselves with uh, just holiday goodies that had been prepared for them. And there were door prizes and games and kids singing Christmas carols. And it was just an example to the people there of how friendly and how fun Christians can be. So that's just part of the story. Uh, let me share with you a statistic that's going to shock you. The Barner Group says
0: that uh, apparently only about 1% of people who live in apartments in America attend a church. 1%. It's the greatest mission field in this country. And we feel like God has put us in a position to take our ministry there to the next level. And that's what these people here are ready to do. So tell us what's about to happen, Rusty.
1: Well, the next level is since so many people in apartments, this high percentage are unchurched. What we're going to do is take church to the people. And so the owners have asked us and the residents have asked us. And this group represents just a small group of people that uh, are committed to praying for Hearst Gardens, going to Hearst Gardens, helping to plant a church there in the clubhouse, which will begin next month called The Gathering.
0: Yeah, there was a group that came last night, and there will be another group at the next service. All told, there's over about 40 people, and it's my understanding they're going to start meeting there weekly in the clubhouse with people there from the church, uh, the apartment complex is going to call it the gathering and, and we're going to take church to that apartment complex and I'm excited and these people are a part of your church family willing to be sent uh, uh, to serve in that significant way. How can we, the rest of us, support them and
1: you and what's happening there? Well, today we're going to have just a special time of prayer. And, and even in your individual prayers, I just pray that you'll be lifting up Hearst Gardens and that you'll also be calling on God to touch the hearts of people in this church that still God wants to them to go there and, and be a blessing to people in that place. And if you're interested in finding out ways that you could kind of Jump on board on the story that God is is writing there at Hearst Gardens. Just give me an email, send me an email, or give me a call, and and we'll find a way that that God has called you to go to that place. Amen.
0: I'm going to pray over these people, and I'd like you to just take your hand and place it in their direction and just join me as we give them this blessing. So now, Father, I pray in Jesus' name over these who are willing to be sent. They don't want to be comfortable. They want uh, to be used. Uh, They want to go where they are needed, Father, and and they're needed there uh, in a part of the city that uh, churches for too long have ignored and driven past and not noticed. But you've always noticed, and you've always been there, and you love with a passion every resident of that community, Father, and they need Jesus. And so bless them, keep them safe, keep them encouraged, Uh, keep them, uh, uh, Father, determined in tough seasons to be uh, the hands and the feet and the, and the voice of Jesus and give us, Father, a passion for this city and, and give us, Father, a, a, greater, a greater determination uh, to be Jesus in this community. I pray a special blessing on these and for those who will join them uh, that we can be truly uh, light and salt in this city. In Jesus' name I pray for them. Amen. A very elderly lady was at the corner of a busy downtown intersection and she was very fearful as the cars whizzed by rapidly when suddenly she felt a hand placed inside the crook of her arm and a young man said, may I cross the street with you? Well, it's just what she wanted to hear. But you've never seen a crossing like this one. They zigged and they zagged. They almost got hit three times by cars. And when they finally got to the other side. She was furious. And she said. You call that helping? You walk like you're blind. And the young man said. I am blind. That's why I said. May I cross the street with you? (laughs) And the point is. I don't care how sincere you are. If you don't have. Vision, if you don't know where you're going, you're probably not going to get there. And that's why churches can be very sincere, but they still need a clear call from God. And I've spent the, I'm spending this month in reminding you of what that call is. Now, next week, We will return to our 2020 vision. We'll give you an update on what's happening as God is using us to make a difference in our world. But I've chosen to take the first three weekends of this month to remind you of our mission statement and our strategy. Look at it with me again. We are trying to grow followers of Jesus through worship. We talked about that two weekends ago. Through community, we talked about that last weekend. That's why small groups are so important here. And through service, which we'll talk about in just a moment. But I want for a second to look at those first three words. Growing followers in Jesus. William Williman tells a great story. He was for many years the chaplain at uh, the chapel at Duke University. That a father of one of the students called him one day and he was upset. And he said, this is your fault. I hold you completely responsible. It seems that his daughter who had just graduated with a degree in mechanical engineering from Duke University, was going to go down to Haiti with a Christian mission group, and in the father's words, waste her degree digging ditches. And and Willeman tried to respond to what a noble thing she had decided to do, but the father would have none of it. And so finally, Willeman bowed his back a little bit and said, No, wait a second. You got this ball rolling. You read her Bible stories when she was little. You took her to Sunday school. You introduced her to Jesus, not me. And the father said, yes, but all I ever wanted her to be was a Presbyterian. Now, I don't tell that story to criticize Presbyterians. I think there are people like that father in every Christian tribe in America who want to raise children that will go to church and wear the title Christian But not be radical Jesus followers. Have we created a church culture where it's possible to be a Christian and not be a follower of Jesus? Because you need to know something. Jesus never once asked anybody to accept him. He asked people to follow him. That's what we're trying to do here. Other churches may have other strategies. There's not just one way to create a follower of Jesus, but there's just one go. To help you grow in Christ's likeness, to grow as a follower of Jesus, we believe regular worship has got to be a part of that strategy. We believe community and accountability and fellowship has got to be a part of that strategy. And we believe work, a service has to be. That you need to expand your heart in fellowship, you need to focus your mind through worship, and you need to get your hands dirty if you're going to grow as a follower of Jesus. In fact, I want you to write this down, that servant is a Christ follower's identity in the family, that not all followers of Jesus are called to ministry as a career like I have been, but all of you are called to full-time Christian service. To follow Christ is to shift your fundamental understanding of your identity from consumer to contributor. That you're not on a cruise ship, you're looking for a battleship. And you don't come to church saying, how are you going to serve us? But you come to church saying, where can I be used in service? To follow Jesus is to walk the path Of downward mobility. Because there's lots of job descriptions in the kingdom. But there's just one title. Everybody here is servant. And Jesus didn't just push us down that path. He led the way. In Mark chapter 10 he said. Whoever wants to be first must be slave of all. For even the son of man didn't come to be served. But to serve. And to give his life as a ransom for many. Paul said that this should be our attitude in Philippians chapter 2. That it should be the same as that of Christ Jesus. Who being in very nature God did not consider equality with God something to be grasped. But he made himself nothing taking the very nature of a servant. Now question. Jesus said one time that a student is not above his master. If the master is a servant and a student can't be above the master. What does that make you and me? It's why Jesus could say in Luke chapter 17, in the same way, when you obey me, you should say, we are not worthy of praise. We are servants who've simply done our duty. There is no way you can grow in Christ unless you understand what your fundamental identity as a Christian is. You are now a servant. You're going to be in the service industry For eternity. Don't think when you get to heaven you go into retirement. You just get new roles of ways to serve God forever. So you might as well start now. Because let me tell you something. When you meet Jesus, there's one thing you want to hear. Well done, good and faithful servant. A couple of years ago I told you a story. About some ministers who went to Mozambique during a terrible drought and the Christians there were suffering horribly. And some were in a refugee camp and they met a pastor there of a church and the church had nothing. They were literally starving. And the pastor asked a penetrating question. When you're no longer able to help the needy, are you still a church? And I have thought about that question a lot over two years. If you're not Helping anybody. Are you really a church? Now let me take it to the next level. If you're not serving anybody, are you really a Christian? Can you call yourself a Christ follower if you can't point to anybody you're helping? I think too many Christians are like the rich young ruler. I mean, they're not crossing any moral boundaries. They're not cussing. They're not sleeping around. But they're not blessing anybody either. You see, discipleship is not just the absence of badness. It's the presence of active goodness in your life. Because that's how Jesus lived. He went around doing good and we're trying to grow to be like him. This was God's design for you before he made you. Ephesians 2 and verse 10 says, we're God's masterpiece. And he created us anew in Christ Jesus so that we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. And let me tell you, whatever God expects of you, he empowers you to do. If he calls you out of a boat to walk on water, he gives you the power to do it. If he calls you to feed the 5,000, he can multiply the sack lunch to do it. Whatever God wants you to do, He gives you the power to do. And so the second thing you've got to understand about serving is this. It is your spirit-enabled activity in the body. I'm not saying that we're saved by our service. I'm saying that we're saved for our service in the kingdom of God. And to this end, God, now listen close, supernaturally equips every member of the body. That every servant receives the gift of the Spirit and receives a gift from the Spirit to be used to help others. And so we read in 1 Corinthians 12, now there are different kinds of spiritual gifts, but it is the same Holy Spirit Who is the source of them all. There are different kinds of service in the church. But it is the same Lord we're serving. There are different ways God works in our lives. But it's the same God who does the work through. He does the work through all of us. A spiritual gift is given to each of us. As a means of helping the entire church. Peter says the same thing in 1 Peter 4.10. God has given gifts to each of you from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Manage them well so that God's generosity can flow through you. There are no insignificant members of this church. Why? Because there are no ungifted servants in this church. Those of you that appreciate symphony music have probably heard of Sir Michael Costa, one of the world's greatest conductors. And they tell a story. One time they were having a rehearsal with this huge orchestra. And the lady that played the piccolo, this little small flute-like instrument, took a break in the middle of the piece to rest. And suddenly he stopped the whole rehearsal and said, what happened to the piccolo? And she thought there's no way anyone could notice. I don't play for a second, but the master... Could and the master does notice when anyone he has gifted doesn't use their gift. Now, I told you last week because of my position, I am probably aware of the flaws and the warts in this church as well as anyone. The other side of that story is that because of my position, I'm probably more aware of the great victories that happen every week in this church. The the stories a lot of you never get to hear, where the body using her gifts to help others makes a real difference. I hear stories every week. Just last week, I heard two more, so I'm going to show them to you real quickly. I want you to see the picture of little Blake. He's one of the uh, young boys in our church. Blake is three years old. He was diagnosed with autism. You can imagine how devastating that was to his parents. And when one of our groups found out about Blake, they made him their Share the Joy project. And they've contacted doctors. And with matching funds, they've been able to take care of every bill. And he's been able to see several doctors. And Blake has made amazing progress this last year. He's starting to have eye contact. He's a, they really do believe he's entering The world of his family for the first time ever it was because the body using the gifts that God has given reached out to help look with me for a picture a moment of Anthony and Stephanie Galvin now Anthony knew me before I knew him because he started coming to Bible class in prison where they show the DVDs of our services and so when Anthony was bonded out of prison the first thing he wanted to do was get his wife and come to our church and they started coming to our church And and they were baptized. But then the judge... Uh, had Anthony finish his sentence, he had to go back to prison for a year. And Stephanie had some needs, and she had some surgeries and some medical problems. And once again, small groups stepped in, and they helped Anthony get a job and saved it for him while he was in prison. They helped her with her surgeries and her uh, funds that she needed. And now Anthony just got out of prison two weeks ago, and they're back in church, and he's got his job back, and they're putting their lives together. And once again, it was because the body stepped in to serve. Now these stories happen every single week. Did you know Share the Joy Project last year? Last year our small groups did over 180 Share the Joy Projects and over a quarter of a million dollars was sent out into this community for others. William Booth founded the Salvation Army. They were having an international convention late in his life, and he was too weak to come. And so they asked if he could cable a message, and he did, and it was just one word. Others. Some of you know the name Stuart Briscoe. He's a well-known pastor in Wisconsin. I'm about 80 years old now. But he was from England. And he came to Christ as a teenager in England, and there's not a lot of evangelical Christians in England. And he was about to join the Royal Marines, and he found a man, a Captain May, who was a mentor to him, a strong Christian. And he said, Stuart, what you're going to have to do is nail your colors to the mast. Now, we don't know what that means, but that's a naval expression. When you fly the flag of your ship... The idea was that if you ever surrendered, you put up a white flag and you would be boarded and they'd put up the flag of the, the nation that conquered you. And the idea of nailing the colors to the mast was you never take down your flag. You, that ship goes down before you surrender or before you let the enemy have it. And that's what he was saying is you're going to have to put on the uniform and you're going to have to let them know from the start that you are a Christian. And Stewart said, well, Captain May, did you do that? He said, certainly. How did you do that? He said, my first night in the barracks, I got down on my knees by my bed and I prayed. And Stewart said, what did the other soldiers do? He said, they threw their boots at me. And Stewart said, and what did you do? And he said, Captain May looked at him rather surprised and said, well... I cleaned their boots and gave them back, of course. You see, through our good works, what we're saying to the world is that God is doing a good work in us. And that makes God look good. A moment ago in 1 Peter 4, 10, we we read, you manage well your spiritual gift. Now look at the very next verse. Are you called to be a speaker? Then speak as though God himself were speaking through you. Are you called to help others? Do it with all the strength and energy that God supplies. And then God, notice God, not you, not me, not the church. Then God will be given glory in everything through Jesus Christ. All glory and power belong to him forever and ever. Amen. You see, service is our God-honoring priority in the community. We live in an age, you must understand this, where our witness is going to have to be observational before it can be propositional. Before we can just walk into a community and say, we have the truth and you don't, so you better listen to what we teach. you got to understand, we're going to have to earn the right to be heard. We don't live in the America of 50 years ago where people were saying, tell me how Christianity is different from other religions. We live today in a world that is asking the question, you tell me how Christianity makes a difference. Because I see too many Christians that are one bit different from me, except they dress up on Sunday and go to a building. They want to know, does Christianity make a difference? Now this is what Jesus meant when he said, you are the salt and the light of the world. What do salt and light have in common? One thing. They make things better. You put light in a dark room so that you can see better. You put salt on food so it'll taste better. The idea is that anywhere Christians show up, things ought to get better. It is not the job of the church to curse the culture. I'm so tired of these angry Christians getting on the airwaves and blasting the culture. God... Wants us to bless the culture. I want our church to be known in this city for what we are for, not what we're against. Do you want better schools? Then let's go into the schools and let's make them better. Sign up to be a tutor in Mullendore. Help us help that school. Do you want the apartments to be rid of crime and drugs? Then let's move into the apartments and let's make them better. Do you want to care about inner city kids? Don't just curse the problem. Sign up and support Royal Family Kids Camp. Spend a week of vacation and go be a counselor. Be a prayer warrior. Be one of the people that help at registration or one of the people that do the dinner at the end. You can go out to the hub and sign up and do that today. Let's do something to make things better. That's who we are. And the Bible says, Jesus says in Matthew 5, you let your light shine before men like that and they'll see your good deeds and they'll praise your Father In heaven. I don't believe you can grow as a follower of Jesus if you don't keep your mind focused and you do that with worship. And I don't believe you can grow as a follower of Jesus unless you're expanding your heart, and the only way you can do that is to love people and fellowship. But I don't believe we can grow as followers of Jesus if we're not willing to get out of this building and get our hands dirty. Pray with me. Father, in Jesus' name, I ask you right now to uh, increase among us the passion to care for the world. The world that you love, the world that you own, the world that you will renew when Jesus returns. Help us now to be committed to bringing your reign to this world. Help us, God, to stop asking the question, how can the church serve me? And start asking the question, how can my church use me to serve the world? Because we believe this is what Jesus wants. And we believe that when we do this, your name is glorified. And so that's why we ask for it through Jesus. Amen. You see, we're the only group in the world that exists for the sake of others, not for ourselves. And here's what I believe. I believe we must send the servants wherever we want God to send the kingdom. Wherever you want the reign of God to come. Schools, apartments, inner city, mission field. Wherever you want the reign of God to come. You've got to send the servants. In a moment, we're going to stand up and sing a song called God of this City. A lot of you are familiar with the song. It plays on Christian radio a lot by Chris Tomlin. Actually, he discovered the song in Belfast, Ireland at a Christian music group there called Blue Tree. It was written by their singer Aaron Boyd. And you would think when you hear the words that it was written about all of the trouble in Belfast, Ireland over the years. But it wasn't. That group was sent by their church in Ireland to a mission trip in Thailand to a city called Pattaya. You probably never heard of that city. That city is known as the number one sex tourist city in the world. In that area of the world, it's estimated 12,000 young girls a year are trafficked for sexual exploitation. And they were there with other Christians serving, helping with orphanages, and they got the most amazing offer. A bar owner that was really a cover for a brothel invited this Christian band to come play because he decided I could make more money selling Cokes to Christians than I can selling beer to others. So they came in for two hours and played Christian music and people were looking in the doors and wondering what is going on. And Aaron Boyd said as he was in that situation, looking at all of the sin and the evil and the darkness on the street outside. The words just came to him. You're the God of this city. You're the king of this people. You're the Lord of this nation. You are. And greater things are yet to come. Greater things are still to be done in this city. And when we believe that, and when we believe that we are the salt and the light of the world, I really do believe we can make a world of difference Aaron Boyd said this, we're called to be the hands and the feet on this earth. We're called to live lives that change the world. Songs don't change the world. People do. People change the world by getting their hands dirty. So we're going to sing this song together. And as we sing, you're going to see some pictures of your brothers and sisters right here in this church who in the last year accepted the call to be sent to make a difference and you're going to be blessed as you watch and as we sing and as we worship and while we worship if you're ready today to accept jesus christ be baptized into his death and resurrection i'd like for you to come forward and we will uh, immerse you into christ today while we celebrate what god is doing in our midst let's all stand now and let's sing with joy